Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I would like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations, the traditional custodians of the land on which we are gathered here today. I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. My name is Jane. My name is Kat. And this is Major Look, a podcast where we make each other watch episodes of our favourite TV shows and try and work out why we love the things that we love. Yes. Uh, very rose-tinted season this time around. Yes, yes. We've got our rose-coloured glasses on as we're revisiting some of our favourite TV shows from when we were kids. Generally created for kids. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, like, although one of my favourite TV shows growing up was Buffy, it wasn't really made for kids. <laughs> so this is more like... Kids, kids TV shows. I mean, Smallville, I would say, almost was made for kids. I mean, teenagers, <laughs> kids, different things. True, like, true, true. And, and we'll get into that in a couple of weeks' time when there's one that kind of is on the cusp that I wasn't mm. too sure whether or not to give you. But we've kind of got a two-header, or almost a three-header, really, if you consider the Saddle Club, Yeah. of uh, classic Australian kids' shows. Was this also filmed in Western Australia? No, this was not. This was not filmed in Western Australia. It's not uh, one of the... Lottery West funded. <laughs> no, this is made by the ABC. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and 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 another company, but we can get into that. What did you make me watch this week, Jane? Uh, I made you watch Silver Sun. Star Runner leaves on its 90-year journey to the New World. On board, an elite young crew and 550 settlers frozen in suspended animation. Now, I never knew the name of this show, but I knew it existed. Right. It, it was, again, similar in that uh, time frame, uh, yes. like to Parallax last year, very after-school special. Very similar to um, time, in terms of when it was released. But I, I think you're the one who told me it came out a little bit later than 2004. No, it was exactly Oh, it was the same year? It was exactly 2004. Wow. Because when I saw that we had the same YouTube account mm-hmm. for um, giving each other episodes this week... Uh, and last week, I was like, are they produced by the same person? I was like, no. Okay, Silver no. Sun is not on Paul it's Barron's that, credits. No, no. It's just that somebody has obviously found all of their favourite TV shows from when they were kids <laughs> and collected them together uh, for our viewing pleasure. No, so this show was it was released in 2004. There are sort of two seasons, although they were produced together. And when they're released in reruns, they're released together. Right. So it's really just one one season one long season of 40 episodes which is 
It's two seasons. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're trying to think about the cliffhanger? No, no, I'm just trying to think about whether or not, like, it, what it what it really classifies as one, oh, or, two, one okay, or two seasons. Yeah, yeah. According to its production kind of notes, it's two seasons. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was came out between June and October 2004. It was created by a gentleman named Roger Simpson. Again, sounds like a familiar name, but it's also a very boring name. Well, Roger Simpson is also very prolific in Australian television. Yeah. But not in the kids' TV scene. Oh. So he, so he, there's a couple of things that he's really well known for. There's a series of telly movies mm-hmm. called Halifax FP. Yeah, I've heard of those. Um, which uh, I remember my mum watching growing up. I don't think I've ever seen any of them, but I know the name Halifax FP quite well. That he created. He created. Oh, he did Satisfaction. Sure. Satisfaction is the Australian television about uh, female escorts. I was going to say sex working industry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it's set in Western Australia, actually. Quite possibly. Uh... Actually, no, I think it's set in Sydney. I think it might be set in Sydney. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. No, but um... uh, yeah, it got three seasons and was an interesting show to, to, to see Australian television being like really going into various kinks and different mm-hmm. sexuality identities and... Uh... It's not amazing, but, no, but it's, you know. it's, it's pretty. It's it's it's, it's well produced and well written television. Yeah, he also produced a TV show called that I remember that nobody else that I've ever spoken to remembers called something in the air. Nope. Which was uh, is it love, Jane? Uh, what is it love? No, something. Okay. It was it was about a radio station. Oh, a, that's cute. A small, a small time radio station. Nice. Um, and most importantly for me, anyway, he created Stingers. I got nothing. Oh, Sorry. Stingers. I loved Stingers. Stingers was a show about... Um, Unless it's a spin-off of Parallax about the purple mosquitoes. I'm not really interested. It, it is, me, tell, tell me, Jane. It is me. not. It was, it was about undercover police workers, usually um, undercover narcotics police workers. Oh, okay, yeah. I think I remember seeing ads for this show. Yeah. Like the... Uh, yeah. It was around for like five, like five seasons. That's six, pretty seven, decent. Seven seasons, and maybe. This is this is like when we're saying like you know two seasons, three seasons. That's a big deal for Australian television. Yeah. In this um, early ooze, late Australian 90s work. Te- Australian TV that isn't soaps don't tend to go for very long. Like yes. the soaps run forever. Oh yeah, Home and Away Neighbours never Home and Away Neighbours, even like if you go back, like a Country Practice ran for years Blue and Healers. years. Blue Healers, that kind of thing. <sighs> Um, Stinger's sort of somewhere in between, uh, you know, sort of almost in the Blue Heelers-y range. But a, um, maybe a little bit more edgy. Uh, yeah, it definitely was was more edgy. So I watched quite a bit of Stinger's growing up. I really liked that so show. So it's interesting to see that while he was produce, uh, creating uh, this, uh, he was also had his hands in a few other pies. Yeah, totally. I think he was a very busy, prolific man. I think he did a lot of things. Uh, like, he would have been making more Halifax FP movies throughout all of this. Oh. Um, he made a bunch of films as well. I think he might have... This looks like a, a documentary, you know. So he's he did a lot of stuff. Um, I think he's sort of semi-retired now. I can't see a lot... It looks like the last thing he did was about 2006 mm. when he did Answered by Fire, which I vaguely recall. It's got David Wenham in it, according to this photo. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think it's kind of... Oh, no, 2012, Brothers in Arms. There All right, go. he's probably still going. Like he was. Uh, so I think he does do quite a bit of kind of edgy stuff. Which mm, is sounds like on, the, um, uh, like on the edge of underbelly kind of yeah. realm of that kind of tone. That, that gritty underground... Of a country regional town or a, a busy metropolitan town. Yeah. But it's still got that kind of country under vibe. 
Yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's interesting, therefore, that this is like his one and only kids show. Kids show. Mm. And it kind of makes me wonder if it was meant to be a little bit different. Oh, and they're like, but make it for kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he was like trying to do like, a grittier BSG type show. Oh, just and, wait till you hear my reactions. And then, and then they it ended up with this like Technicolor, um, <laughs> very silver hallways. Yeah, yeah, uh, almost Star Trekky type thing. Yeah. So that's kind of the uh, the industry context, the production history, the show text. It's your standard post-apocalyptic time to revisit colonization and journey to a new planet for all of humanity to live on plotline type thing. Mm-hmm. Star Runner is the first of many ships to be launched into space on a 90-year journey to their new home, Silver Sun. The crew is made up of some adults, but mostly teenage crew, who will eventually grow up, take command of the ship, and then have their own children to crew the final leg of the journey. I like this dynamic, Mm. but continue. They carry 500 settlers, I think it's actually 550, uh, in cryogenic sleep that they call cryons. Uh, and the crew is made up of... I gave you descriptions because there's so many. I thought you might need them. Yeah, that was helpful. I had to look at it a few times. Okay. Uh, so Syriax is the very authoritarian commanding officer. Karen and Steve are a married couple. She's a navigator. He's the engineer. And they have two the two youngest children called Tycho and Cinnamon. Lil- <laughs> Lillian is the medical officer. She's the second in charge. And she's the mother of Leonella. She had blonde hair. And Leonella had dark curly head one. She was kind of like the nice one. Um, and then Tane is the red-headed, ambitious pilot trainee. Sheng is the dopey and well-intentioned scientist. The guy with very spiky hair. Mm-hmm. Like uber like, spiky hair. Like half a, half a jar of gel. At oh my least. God, so much gel. Um, Pancha is the blonde head computer officer and she has an implant in her brain from a car accident that she had a few years ago and that gives her a telepathic link to the ship's computer. Mara is also a medical officer. She has dark, short hair and she's a stickler for rules. Deegan Hart is the blonde guy responsible for the safety and upkeep of the cryons. Zandi was not actually a member of the crew initially. She was woken up out of cryogenic sleep by Deegan Hart when they needed to check on the health of the cryons after there was a thing. Um, and she's what they call a hard target, which is a trained soldier brought that they brought along in cryosleep in, just in case they encountered hostile forces at any point on the journey. Space show could be aliens. Could be aliens. Uh, this place takes place two years into the long journey and there's been a lot of tension among the crew members, particularly between Deegan Hart and Zandi and the rest of the crew, including a little bit of a mutiny once upon a time. Ooh. Yeah. So that's the show text. Yes, and you pop me into season two, Ria. I put you into season two. So this is about halfway through season two. Interesting. Um, and so, and they're two episodes after each other. I've given you season two episode... Uh, 15 and 16, so just one set of epitex should do it, pretty much. Pancha has been obsessed with the computer and doing her job ever since she discovered that she had accidentally formed a telepathic link with the ship. Sheng had a crush on her once when he ran a computer program to find out everyone's ideal match, because once they realised that they were going to have to, like, pair up yeah. <laughs> at some point, um, he was like, well, we better figure out who's the right people for us. Uh, but she didn't really want to take it further since it would risk her becoming unfocused at work. He since moved on and they have just been good friends. But in the last episode, there was this pulsar that was emitting a radio wave that was cancelling out Pancha's computer enhanced brain waves, causing her medical implant to falter and nearly kill her. Um, 
and it was stopped by Zandi finding a way to blast the pulsar. And then Sheng was really happy to have her back, but Panch was like, nah, life's too short. I don't want to be on the computer anymore. Don't make me. And she just quits. Mm. So, yeah, that's that. Would you like to give us Your recap? a little bit of a recap? Yeah. Here are my recaps for uh, the two episodes, uh, season two, episode 15 and 16, Musical Chairs and Revelations. I'll do a standard AB plotline mm-hmm. uh, for these two, starting off with Musical Chairs. So... In storyline A, Pancha is missed by the bridge and they're all having computer troubles. Zandi quickly troubleshoots uh, their blazing... Uh... What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They're blazing warm? <laughs> What's a blazing warm? <laughs> this was when I was writing and it was off the other screen and I just kept writing. I don't know what a blazing warm is. Maybe just they're... they're, they're... Just troubleshoots their technical errors. Yeah, just troubleshoots their technical errors uh, and is promoted to be the computer officer person um, without Pancha in sight. But when she's left alone on the bridge, she heard a strange distorted message from another ship uh, but didn't seem to record it to play back to the crew. And Zandi theorizes that maybe it could actually not be an Earth ship but something else. Dot, dot, dot. But Tang... Uh, who <laughs> I know I've written it as Tang, like Tangy. It's, it's Tang. Tame. <laughs> um, who was constantly calling out uh, that Sandy made a mistake uh, with her recording, actually replays the message at the end of the episode, uh, contacting its sender back when no one else is around. <laughs> Storyline B: Pancha is keen to try out new things and is absolutely terrible at the oboe that she used to play after a few years. And she plays it for poor Keen Shang, who lies about her being good and gets to finally go on a date with her. But she got so excited playing for Shang that Pancha immediately, that day, um, goes to perform a recital for the entire crew of the ship. And despite thinking for a sec to tell her the truth, um, Shang doesn't. And she still proceeds to embarrass herself with a shocking musical performance to everyone. But after overhearing what the kids actually thought, Pancha eventually comes to the conclusion of what she's already good at, uh, being the connected to the computer and super smart on the bridge. Uh, and poor Shang drops the L word way too soon and it's, it's just ignored. In episode 16, Revelations, uh, Shang is attempting to master the technology of teleportation and is helped by one of the kids uh, to make beaming a possible reality in this science fiction universe. Shang is having trouble with accepting that a kid's solving a scientific discovery he's been struggling to fix for years, but it's actually not quite solved yet and seems they'll work together. But the main plot line is the continuation of this message and that the ship's actually gone on a dangerous ride and the computer is actually stating that they're in a completely different location to their current course. There's some sort of glitch or maybe a virus in the system and Zandi is very quickly accused uh, by Tane which raises her own suspicion towards him to maybe being less than truthful. Unfortunately, Pancha finds some planted evidence, so obviously planted, uh, that makes her look ridiculously guilty, and Tang realises with the extent of her impending punishment that he should just grow a heart and denies his previous incriminating statements to clear Zandi of her charges with some extra proof from Pancha. Ultimately now, anyone other than her could be guilty, and she threatens Tang for his recent actions to stay straight. But ultimately, uh, the ship finds another identical to their own looking uh, ship, but it's battered and bruised and without life. There you go. That's where we end. That is where we end. All right. Uh, I'll let you know how I reacted. Yes. Silver Sun at one. 
absolutely bopping opening. Like, you know, very, like, early Australian television, lower third kind of thing with the faces coming by. Not even, like, an old-school TV show in the 90s, but... Uh, pretty decent upbeat song, I'll give it that. Does make me want to kind of conquer the world. Mate. Don't lie about someone being good. Never, 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 never. Oh, this is painful to watch. This happens way too often. I mean, fake liking something as a hobby? Almost understandable, because then you can try and get into it before your next date, and then do some research. And then maybe you'll learn to love it with the time you spend with them. And then maybe it won't be a lie after all that time. Although that's showing some pretty fractured way of looking at the truth. I, however, say to very, very spiky boy hair, Shang. Seriously, the gel is, oh my gosh, giving me horrible flashbacks to when I was a younger boy. Um, just don't, mate. Over recital already? Come on! You just showed someone. Pancha, Pancha, however to pronounce that name. My gosh, these people are infuriating, but I guess they're alone in space and figuring it out, and they're also awkward teenagers with hormones, with, you know, prolonging the human race's survival. Okay, I'll cut him some slack. <laughs> okay, okay, that's, that's, that's really good physical comedy there, actually. It's just the slight step back a few times before coming in as if um, he had just missed the last song. That's good. That's good. Well done, Aussie TV. Yeah, mate, way too soon to be dropping the L word. Although, wait, what? Showtex, I think, said it was like, you know, two years or into it. So, with the epitext. Uh... Oh, now I'm just being reminded of Frozen 2 when they're both talking about two different things and it's very blatantly obvious with the other one. Oh, the lean forward kiss. Nap, nap, nap. Losing points for me, Aussie Kids TV. Little too physical. What? Okay, I was not expecting betrayal on this. Although, I mean, it does sound like it would be another Earth ship, so not necessarily betrayal, a different, well, sort of a betrayal, but a different of leadership kind of loyalty stuff. Genuinely actually intrigued at what's going on in terms of the motivation behind why he would have been deleting the recording or, like, blocking her the entire time. And Zen, you better get to the bottom of this mystery. That burger looks really good. This is, like, way before we had, like, those, you know, deli-style beetroot red-flavoured coloured burgers and stuff. Ooh, that is some great rehydrated or synthesised food for space. Probably very cheap and affordable for, you know, a colourful television show for children, but... Mm. I love the look of early ooze science technology on low-budget shows because it's just like all the kind of crap that you get as kids in shops. You just flip it open and it looks like some knockoff of, like, a um, Star Trek convention merchandise or something like that. Oh my gosh, the shiny silver curve things in this show. Just to point out, I don't hate it. I honestly love it. It doesn't look great now and doesn't is definitely not aged well, but I really loved shiny silver curved things. No matter what it was, if it was a nightlight or a bookmark or anything, I really loved this kind of shit so much when I was that age. So I'm enjoying the silver sun. Oh, it's... A, yep, I just realised it would probably be quite silver. Wish goggles, nice, nice. <laughs> I appreciate that, Shane. Yes, I can get past your ridiculously spiky hair if you make heels like that.
This is a podcast audio thing, and I just realised how much that sounded like kills. I meant calls, like good calls. He's not just killing little kids on the ship after just taking their ideas. Well, that would make for a much more interesting show. You know, put it in the future. Well, I mean, like, even more gritty, dark future. Further along, he's been alone for so long and trying to keep the ship afloat. And then he's actually, like, taking kids back out of cryo and using their bright, knowledgeable, shiny brains to figure out how to solve engineering problems for a sinking ship literally out in space. Gosh, it'd be so dark and gritty and it'd be the only one there for a while. You wouldn't realize what was happening. Okay, I should probably get back to watching the show. Okay, rewind. Yes, Zandy. None of this sneaking around bullshit, just... Be right up front and honest with him. Yes, but still professional. Very nice. Well, at least professional to anyone who's not within his dropping distance. Serious Battlestar Galactica vibes from the shape and look of these um, ships. So inspired by that design. But ooh. Ooh. Yes. I didn't think it would get more ooh on the second episode. To be honest, I was more interested where it was going at the end of the first episode, because at the end of the second episode, I'm like, oh, I think I know what's going to happen here. Because, like, lost and abandoned ship of a similar, you know, like, fleet or whatever is a very common thing on science TV shows, especially for those post-apocalyptic ones when there are humanity's last efforts to try and save the species on a journey Mm -hmm. to a new planet. And what Um, what do you think is the deal with the ship? I reckon it's completely abandoned. Uh, Lots of flickering lights. Uh, I, in terms of why it was abandoned, I reckon it might be something computery. Okay. Mm. I can't remember to be honest. <laughs> but I remember the first time I saw this, when I saw the ship there abandoned at the end, and they were like, "It's the same. Sh- it's the same class as ours." I thought it was going to be their ship. Oh, like time travel ship from the future. Yeah. That would have been way more interesting. Yeah, but I I'm was assuming- so excited. I was like, "Yes, time travel." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, that's a shame. I mean, like, I, I, I've been seeing some other stuff lately that's reminding me a lot of ridiculous time travel nonsense. Uh, but I will say DC Legends of Tomorrow is certainly fun with that sometimes. Yeah, I watched some of the Crisis on Infinite Earth and I was just like, oh, what now? <laughs> that's... What is happening? But I will appreciate how much they don't take it seriously. Slight tangent, not my eye, you know, what's in it this week. Mm. Um, But in the follow-up episode, uh, to try and legitimise them, there's been a whole government thing about trying to show transparency of time travel, whatever, police, and they end up making it into, like, a documentary series of showing them what's going on when they, like, saving time gaps. And Sarah's not having any of it because she's just gone through that. Uh, and it's actually really fun the way they, they, they work in it. They are definitely so much better than the other shows at just having a good time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just props to them. It was actually one of one of the best episodes I've seen. Uh, and they've just been getting more and more fun. Yeah. Um, so really props out to DC Legends of Tomorrow for I thought they, were, they weren't going to continue on with the next seasons mm. or even host the crossover episodes anymore. I was so happy to see that it was part of DC Legends of Tomorrow. And it got another episode, which was way better than any of the ones. Because I tried the next one of Batwoman. Oh, okay. Next one of Super. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't watch Flash in the Arrow. But, 
I think you said a lot of words that I couldn't really follow, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, but anyway. it's not Battlestar Galactica. It's not time travel. It's not Star Trek. But it is very Star Trek-y. It is very Star Trek-y, yes. Yes. It is definitely Star Trek light for kids. Yes. Which is interesting because I don't like Star Trek. No. But I loved this show. Was it because it was Australian part of the pool for you? I mean, not specifically. Because it doesn't look or feel Australian. It's just Australian actors. It just happens to be Australian. Yeah. No, I mean, that wasn't part of the pool. I just I just liked it. Mm, mm. I think I liked... Uh, I'm trying to think about why I enjoyed this show. So I'm thinking, like, I was 14. I was desperate for genre stuff. Mm-hmm. I, li- I do like, you know, travelling in spacey type shows. Uh, the reason I don't like Star Trek is not because it's a travelling in space show. It's because I don't like Star Trek. I, like, I think I just... I liked the idea of there being a young crew um, who were kind of like trying to be teenagers while simultaneously trying to save the earth. Mm. And like growing up in their like productive roles of this new society that they're living in. Yeah, which I always kind of really enjoy the idea of them, you know, even though they're only 15 years old, they all have very specific jobs to do. That are very important. That are very important. Um, And then, and the way that that kind of informs their personalities. So you've got like... um, like Tane, who is going to be a pilot, and he's very much like, I'm going to be in charge of everybody else, and everybody else should listen to me. And everyone else is like, Shut up! Definitely a Starbucks in the making. No, he's, no, no, he's not like that. He's, he's more like not... an Adama. Oh, okay. Like a Lee, like okay. a Lee Adama. Just from what I've seen in this episode, I wasn't. Sh- I have no idea what's going on with him. Like, wh- who he was con- Was it that ship that he was contacting? And like, I like, I, I remember like that. You don't actually remember right now, but that's fine. Um, I think there's somebody on the ship or somebody who was on the ship that he's contacting. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I just, I can't remember why it's a secret. That's the thing. Um, like, I, why did you incriminate Zandy so much? Yeah. Yeah. Why couldn't you just tell everybody like, hey, yo, there was a message and it's from this person and let's go and rescue them. And I contacted them? them. Yeah. He even like, I like that he, you know, grew a bit of a heart, but he also didn't confess. No. And like, he didn't really, Yeah. He just was kind of like, how can I try and not get Zandy in trouble but also not incriminate myself? Mm, mm. Which shows that he's still ultimately looking at this from a selfish point of view. So, yeah, Tane's kind of an ass. Um, <laughs> but he always is, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and, of course, that, that plays into Shane's approach in terms of awkwardness around even the idea of relationships and let's make it scientific, technical. You know, we don't need to elaborate on that much more. But I'm very interested in Pancha. The only problem mm. is... That me coming into it at this point, I didn't have much yeah. to compare her to when I was first introduced to her. Yeah, uh, this is this is tricky for me because this plot line of Pancha um, kind of nearly dying and then you know wanting to change what she's doing is is was my favorite plot line mm. um, of pretty much the whole two seasons which only lasted for like an episode uh two episodes so it was like one episode where she was like really tired and like not really and, uh, yeah, doing well and kind of leading in into text. it yeah. and then there was one episode where she actually nearly died and yeah. then there was this one so it was kind of like a three episode arc for mm. her that i really appreciated um and then i tried to kind of give you the episode after that so that you could see her also in action but it yeah. wasn't focused on her yeah so she was always my favorite character i found her like the idea of somebody who you know is so connected to the computer or so so connected to something else that it kind of starts to consume her mm. was always interesting the, the problem was that yeah i couldn't really give you 
that experience. In that experience, because I wanted to do to see the after effects of that. It was a bit tricky. I, I went back and forth on what episode. Yeah, no, to no, give no. You. It would have been very difficult for the one episodes that, for this show. The one that I did want to give you, which is the one before she actually started to die, which, um, and she starts to show sh- symptoms. There's all of this shitty relationship stuff with like <sighs> Shang having this crush on Leonella, and it just was like. I was just really bored by it all. And I was like, I can't make anybody watch this. It's so boring. When it just feels like it's a, like a plot line from a different TV show that's in Not that it was different. It, it's because like, sometimes it felt a little bit like that. I mean, they do a lot of relationshipy type stuff yeah, on this show. So um, it's just that's not the part that I'm interested in. And yeah. so I was like, I don't want to make you watch all that just to get to... Anyway, so I, I'm not... 100% confident on the first episode that I picked for you, but it was the best Pancha episode that also was semi-decent. Okay. And then I really <laughs> I really liked the second episode and seeing, you know, this kind of betrayal, paranoia, who's who mm. who did what, why is there a virus? And, and the kind of... I think that that was an interesting turn for the show to take. Yeah, I will say that it, even though it had its lighter side of Shane just struggling to... I mean, t- I didn't care about that. No, I know, but in an episode where they're bringing up loyalties and um, you've got uh, all these um, darker elements happening uh, in all this show and even a trial uh, that's happening. And on the other side, you've got him just struggling to grasp the fact that something he was working on for years, someone else figured out in two seconds. Yeah, yeah. But then, of course, you know... I do like that he does bring up a point that is legitimate in science. It's not just a joke you can say because you don't want someone who did a one-off to prove it. You need to repeat the results and prove that it actually does exist. No, I mean, the the thing is, he had a very real point. Yeah. (laughs) He really did. Like, you can't... That's not science. And that's why I didn't like when the mum was just like, are you just jealous? I mean, he was jealous. (laughs) He was jealous. It was was, definitely jealous It was a little bit of both. And what what I think is actually good about this show is that those two plot lines did kind of intertwine. Mm-hmm. Again, like there was a thematic through line about not believing people or not believing in people or not um, you... trusting that you could work with somebody or not trusting their their work. Or... How you present the facts. And how you present the facts and all that kind of stuff. I think that I liked that those two plot lines actually were thematically resonant in that story. Yeah, definitely different tones, mm. but thematically relevant. Same in the first episode. It's all about... What do you want to do? What role do you want to take in society? And Zandi was, like, getting pretty excited about her new computer officer role. Exactly. Zandi, who's been very anti-authoritarian the whole time, is actually like, oh, actually, maybe if I am valued in society, I can be a part of this. And Pancha, on the other hand, is going, is trying to deal with the idea that does she have value outside of her role as a computer officer? Can she contribute artistically to the mm. to the thing, and then finding out that that's not really her calling, that kind of thing? So again, I actually like. I think that for the most part, these episodes in this show is pretty solid, thematically and structurally. Yeah, and that's and that's a decent um, level of praise for any show, regardless of who its targeted audience is. Especially for a half hour show. Yeah, it's not easy to do, um, but I will say that. I even really liked the the one offhanded comment. I don't remember which mum or woman it was. Um, brown hair, I believe. But she was like, oh, yes, I think that's what we all need. A bit of culture. Um, mm. Like, you know, an offhanded comment. But a comment in terms of a spaceship without television, without all of these elements of, of you know, how who knows how music was brought over. You know, they didn't know about maybe MP3. MP3s were in the world. But aside from that, they didn't really know much else. So I really like the concept of this show. 
because I find it interesting to seeing how kids would react in a kid's show. Mm. In Lost in Space on Netflix, you know, I'm seeing how kids would react in a very... In a, an attempt at a very realistic life situation, but it's still very dictated by the adults around them. Yeah, yeah. Which is rightly so in that kind of environment. They're still doing a very similar thing in terms of having younger kids who would have relevant um, like responsibilities and traditions and skills that would work in you know, productive members of society for their new colony. Exactly. But, but, that's, but that, that raises that the latest season. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. Yeah, which raises a similar question of... Penny going, my my value to society is that I'm a good writer and I can tell stories and that does have value in in a formed society, but that doesn't really have value on this ship. Yeah, we're still setting up that society. It doesn't need culture yet. Well, but, I mean, I, I don't agree with that personally. Exactly. I think that any, any society, whether it's transitory or, you know, settled, I say in inverted quotes, needs some kind of culture. Yeah, most definitely. Like, you know, we might be speaking from people who have, you know, always tried to come from this world. I mean, we, were, we both work in the art. Well, yeah, sort of. Uh, sort of. Sort of. In, um, the, in artistic slash creative fields. Yes. Uh, and we're both heavily trained in, in that area in university. Yes. Um, but we do definitely value it as an integral part of a fruitful society. Yeah. And, um, you know, to actually enjoy parts of life, to make you keep working in life mm. um, is quite important. So I do, I do, I'm, I'm quite interested sometimes at the B plot lines that the show would present because of seeing how that would maybe factor into what life on this ship would be like mm. for the foreseeable future until you get to that planet. Like they don't I mean, get to that planet. they've got 90 years. Like, 90 years? This surely, is great. Surely you want like... Oh yeah, all of that was said in the beginning of the show You want some new music. <laughs> you're yeah. going to want some new music. You're going to want some new books. Like, yeah. There won't be any new movies. No. Like, it's you know, it's interesting that that that's not something that seems to have been considered. And, that, and you know, you understand that as well. Like, they're looking for... Integral, important... Survival-type yeah. skills. The stuff that's going to actually literally get them from point A to point B. But not considering quality of life in that time is not really brought up. No, because it's all about the survival of life in that time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's the same kind of idea as when I mentioned, you know, they're going to have to pair up at some point and have mm. kids. I mean, I think that that's a terrible way to run your mission. I don't know why you wouldn't just, like, have a spare, like, a couple spare sets of crew in cryosleep and just, like, defrost them when they get too old. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I like, defrost, defrost a new crew every 30 years. Three crews, fine. And then everyone, and then they get to go back into cryosleep and then <laughs> and then still be alive when they get... Because the thing is, like, these adults are not going to get to see Silver yeah, Sun. Yeah. The teenagers probably aren't going to get to see mm. Silver Sun. So, like, it's quite a sad <laughs> idea, really. Like, by the time they get to the future planet, they're going towards they would all be dead. Exactly. And because you don't know, when they pair up and have kids, you don't know if their kids are going to be smart enough, capable enough, fit enough, healthy enough to mm. actually run the ship. Mm. So, it's a terrible plan. <laughs> Interesting. Vaguely interesting, but kind of terrible. And I even remember knowing that when I was 14. Really? Yeah, I used to... So I used to watch this... Like, my oh, sister you... would occasionally watch this with us. And I remember us talking about, like, this... This is not a good plan. I guess uh, you would have seen a lot of other science fiction shows to compare it to. Yeah, and plus I was 14. So, yeah. like, I was thinking critically about things by that point. <laughs> yes, you've written you know, an essay or two. I wasn't a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. So, yeah, it's look, it's not a good plan. But it is interesting that when they think about, you know, they're going to have to pair up, they're going to have to have kids, um, there's no consideration for, like, the chances of you finding somebody that you love or even are attracted to in this crew of 
10 people. Pretty slim, really. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at compatibility numbers. Yeah, like, were they chosen before compatibility? Like, what? Mm. I don't know. Mm. Um, anyway, so I think there's some interesting philosophical questions if you want to think about them. But also, but you're not sure if the show... Well, the show does talk about them. Yeah, they do a little bit. But they don't focus on it. I don't feel like they, they delve into it. I mm. feel like they kind of might raise the question, but not answer the question. Ah, you hate that. Yeah. I don't... Uh, it depends I, on the question. It depends on the question, and it depends on whether or not you're raising and investigating. I don't need an answer. But you do have to investigate some yeah. different ideas, at yeah. least. Yeah. Um, whereas just raising it and not even really investigating it, I kind of go like, eh. I'm not going to give you points if you don't go deeper. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, I, it's a kid's show. Like, <laughs> we give some points. Some Like, points for trying. Yeah, definitely. I I think I'm sounding like I enjoyed this more than you two. No, I, no I, I do enjoy it. But, like, I, I don't watch things uncritically. Yeah, no, 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 no. And after we started doing this podcast, I've definitely looked at television sometimes a completely different way. Mm. But also we have our one-eye shows, which are still, we, like, don't need to think critically about this. It's just on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but, no, it is, it is quite interesting because uh, did you see the whole show? Or you probably saw most of it. I think I have seen all of it, yes. I don't really remember much of what happens after this point, though. I reckon they probably didn't plan on it ending. Um, I think it ends on a cliffhanger, but yeah, they definitely didn't go mm. into production on the next season. I think I remember the first season a little bit stronger. So the first season involves, like, an alien parasite. So we've already seen aliens. Oh, okay. So we already know foreign life exists. Yeah, they didn't when they left Earth, but they do now. Right. They encountered them. So and I remember that storyline a lot more, even though I didn't like it very much. A little too Star Trekky. Uh, it was just, I mean, the effects. Oh, oh, I guess I could imagine. The alien effects were <laughs> terrible. It was like sometimes it was like a little, because it was like a little green slug thingy. It was green. Oh yeah, it was oh. a green slug. It, um, let me see if I can find you some pictures. Don't never make your aliens green. There's just too much that's been done in terms of life forms that would not actually be environmentally beneficent. And I mean, you don't know what environments they're they're in. They're aliens. Yeah, but it's just a little green man popularized iconography. It's not. Know? It's not like that though. It's it's a slug. Ah, oh, that's sort of it. Oh my gosh, that's so much worse. Yeah. That looks like kryptonite in the first season of Smallville. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's not good. That's yeah, not good. Yeah, it got bigger. <laughs> um, but sometimes it kind of looked like that, which is like the CGI version. Sometimes it was just like green jelly. <laughs> like, it was pretty bad. Um, it's a kid's imagination of what aliens would... Alien life on I mean, like, it, yeah. I, I don't disagree that there that there could be slug-like <laughs> yeah, life forms yeah, out yeah. there. I just it's just the glowing greenness. It's the glowing greenness. Yeah, absolutely. But it, I guess it was two thousand and four. You know, and they just obviously need something that immediately looks alien. Looks alien. Yeah, I guess it does. Um. So yeah, I don't remember the the end of this very well. Um. But while I ask about the whole relationshipy thing, yeah, is there a lot of back and forth, or do people generally commit? Um, there's a bit of back and forth. Okay. There's like, Deegan Hart goes between Mara and Zandy a bit, from what I recall. Because they were very established in this. Yeah, I think earlier they had had some, some back and forth. 
And now so he's the one who woke her and then is like, hello. Yeah, so what happened was there was like a problem with the cryons. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, we don't know if they're they're okay. So they had to wake one up. And they were supposed to wake up this like... And and the whole thing was, we're going to have to wake them up and we can't put them back in. Yes, yes. I love that that's always like... A, a critical element yeah. of, of, of cryosleep. Well, yeah, again, because if they could put people back to sleep, then they would just put themselves back to sleep yeah, after 30 fine. years. Yeah. and it would, blah, blah, blah. You could do my plan. They were meant to wake up this like kindly old professor, and then they were like, oh, well, then we'll have like another science officer on the ship, and it'll all be fine. But Deegan Hart went rogue and woke up Zandy instead. Cause oh, he, so it wasn't a mistake. It was in direct contradiction to what he was told to do. Yes, okay. Um, and I think he picked her because he was like, she looks interesting. And then when they got her out there, realised that, she was a pain in the ass and a and a firecracker and um, most importantly a hard target. Mm-hmm. So somebody who is built to fight and not to get along with slow life on a ship. Yes, she with hates 10 people. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I can't remember what we were talking about, but uh, you know, so he picked her. So they they've been qu- quite close from the beginning, but at one point he was like, mm, maybe I like Mara better, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even though Mara is like the complete opposite of him. Um, so, yeah, look, the relationship stuff, stuff I was always like, eh. Panja and Shang, I always found kind of cute because he's like a little puppy dog and she's like nice I, I, and not annoying like most of the other, like a lot of the other characters. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so interested because it's not like she's emotionless. No. But it's, it's like that she struggles to connect with society since she connects with the computer easier. Yeah, I think it's a little bit like the computer is easier it has rules i can communicate with it i don't need to interpret it's not its complicated yeah. yeah it's almost it's almost like she's on the spectrum yeah actually yeah um and and that's what so she's fun kind of found comfort in the thing that she you know understands better rather than trying to deal with like all the people and all the emotions and and she is she is like she's been very close friends with shang um, she like kind of coached him through his crush on Leonella, even though she likes him, mm. like all that kind of stuff. So she does have emotion and she does connect with people, but it's not the easiest thing for her. Um, and so that's why this is like, it's quite important for her to have tried this other thing and then to find out that she's bad at it. I, mean, I don't know how you couldn't hear that you're that bad at it. But also that you expected to be... You said you're a bit rusty yourself, yeah. Pancha. And then you, I guess he said he you said were great. She was, he said yeah. she was great. Oh, she's smarter than that. Well, I think the point is that this, this isn't an area in which she has a lot of emotional yeah, intelligence. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's you know. true. Um, and she trusts him. Yeah. I don't know why I'm saying that with such a confused look on my face. It's probably because I've seen that actor do many other different roles. Yes. Not necessarily how Shang has been presented in this yes, show. Yes, exactly. Uh, but also, uh, speaking on that as well, I've recognised like half the people on this show. Okay. And I have no idea what from, and I don't want this to turn into another McLeod's Daughters Wikipedia cast list. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, so like, yes, a lot of these guys have gone on to do other things. Yes, um, very popular in other Australian TV shows at the time. Yeah, Ryan Corr in particular, being having been very well known, the guy who plays Shang, He's possibly the most successful person to come out of this. Eloise Mignon, who plays Mara, she went on to be on Neighbours. So did somebody else. Um, I think Tane's been in many other things. So they all went on to do other things. And all of the adult actors are all very well established. Dean Hart looked very familiar to me. Uh, I, might, I might Google that one myself. I can't. I think he... 
He and um, Ryan Cole went and worked. Oh, they were both on Packed in the Rafters. There you go. That's where I know him from. He's the oldest son. He's the older rich boy who doesn't have money anymore. I think so. Yeah. Finance or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were both in Packed to the Rafters oh, together. Oh, my gosh. Packed to the Rafters. Yeah, I know. That, um, was a, that was like the last show that I think I watched with my family. I think I saw bits and pieces of it. Yeah, it was like the year before we went to uni. Yeah, that's right. Um, but my housemate, Fee, and I, we actually have a little bit of a game about trying to collect these actors. <laughs> okay, you're going to need to explain what collect means. Um, you see them in real life. Oh, okay. And we've seen of quite a few of them in real life. So Fiona knows the woman, the girl, I mean, she's a girl and she's a woman now, yeah. playing Pancha. She knows her quite well. Oh. Her name is Sarah Walker and she's one of the best um, live performance photographers oh, cool. in the industry in Melbourne at the moment. Live um, performance photography is very difficult. It's very difficult and she's excellent at it. She's amazing. Um, I also have seen her because she works or used to work with a theatre company called Attic Erratic and they worked on a show that was at the theatre that I interned at mm -hmm. in Perth. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the audience looking back and going like, she looks like the actress from Silver Sun. <laughs> and then like years and years and years later, I was talking to Fee and then she made the connection that Sarah Walker used to work with them and that they were the ones doing that show. And I was nice. like, oh my God, it all makes sense. So we've collected Sarah Walker. Um, <laughs> we collected the guy who played Tane. He used to work as an usher at Arts Centre Melbourne, hilariously. So, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty decent gig to support. I know other ushers at Art Center Melbourne yeah. who support their other art shows. Oh, yeah, I know. That. That's kind of like a, a, a trope. A, yeah, of... a go to part time job of, uh, what's the word? Aspiring artists Absolutely. in Melbourne. Absolutely. So, he, we've collected him. We've seen Ryan Core somewhere. I can't quite remember where. Um, and Fee's found like two or three others. Just wow. like. Wow passed them in the street or had something or been at a party with them or something like that was it is it specific to this show or like australian tv this era of show well the, the game that we play is specifically how many sorts of actors oh, can you collect it. um so and, yeah and i guess she's had like five or six of them in total this show is it was it was on i think more than parallax this show's been rerun about three or four times yeah and so I actually don't think I watched the first... So it was first released on Channel 7. Um, and I seem to recall that they must have... I think they replayed the first season during school holidays before they released the second season. Because mm. I remember watching it, like, in the day while I was home during school holidays. Didn't you say it was produced by the ABC Network? Yeah, so it was uh, produced by the ABC, but initially released on Channel 7. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, and then the ABC... Got, got further back. releases. So I don't know if it was part of the initial deal that they would broadcast at once and then it would right. come back to ABC yeah, yeah. or if they bought it back. And, you know, the reruns almost always happen on ABC for kids. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like the, the kids show on our digital television network. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I love that game. That's pretty bloody it's great. Pretty, yeah. it's, 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 and I think if, <laughs> if you talk to uh, any other Australian, like, who's like mid to late 20s, mm. um, you, you say the show by name, they might have no idea what you're talking about. You show them the opening to this show, and I think they will dead on know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. This is a show that I think was almost, like, just constantly on in the background when kids are home from school, parents getting something ready for dinner, or before they're off to the next activity. Yeah. This was a staple mark of afternoon Australian television. Totally, except that for me, this was a show that I really wanted to see every week. I love that you wanted to see it so much. For me... I, it sounds like everything I would have been into. I think it took me a little bit longer to get into science fiction. Mm. 
Um, and then as soon as I hit Star Wars, I just hadn't... I, I was so hyper-focused on Star Wars, I kind of didn't look outside of that too much. One thing that I think I, I noticed while I was watching Parallax versus this one mm-hmm. is that this show is less comic relief. Yeah, there's a lot more slapstick. Yeah. There's still quite a... There's not too much. There's still think, a bit of it. I think there are light-hearted plots on this. Like, the plot with Shang and Tycho was light-hearted, but it wasn't really comedic. Oh, no. Well, no, it wasn't really. It wasn't really funny. I it mean, it may just, have been meant to be funny, but it wasn't. It was two characters who often have comedic parts to play. Yeah. Acting out a scene. And so I think that's why I gravitated toward this one, whereas you might have gravitated toward Parallax a bit more, is that this one just felt a little bit more serious... And a little bit less like, here's some slapstick comedy for you. I mean, I preferred the slapstick comedy in this one because I thought most of it was a bit more well executed. Uh, like, you know, you had that moment initially by the captain who starts to walk and then slows down. There's That's what I mean. That's not slapstick. Everything. That's just comedy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's good physical humour. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there were some elements where it was pushed too much. When I saw him pursing out his lips, I'm like, Shane, come on, mate, come on. That's too yeah, much. Yeah, that, like, that was too much. much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, and I was like, Kitchen, hmm, that was overacting. Um, but then, you know, in Parallax, it's almost overacting on purpose. And I'm like, but don't. Yeah, and I think, it, I think it really shows the difference between a show that's created by somebody who writes kids' shows mm. versus a, a show that's created by somebody who doesn't, who writes adult shows I think that this was always intended to have a more serious tone not that it is serious but more yeah well it's definitely has like while there can be darker elements in Parallax it doesn't have that serious tone about it yeah the sounds around it like you know you you talk about the soundscape and the birds and yes the sound is beautiful on that show but even the music that they'll bring in there from time to time the transitional music Mm. it's always light I don't even remember what the sound like what music comes up in this because I feel like it lives so within the world it does there isn't actually a lot of music yeah. that's like coming up around it and that's why it was so um unique when uh what's that song oh that i should know that um but when she when the music comes on as she's introducing it it's very visceral mm. because that sound is not common to this world of exactly Silver exactly i feel like the sound design in the show is definitely more focused on the sound of a ship, you know, you do have that constant hum. And then when they're trying to build tension, they don't build it through music. They build it through alarms or other sounds in the spaceship. Yeah, it's um, weird when silence is a safe thing. Yeah. Um, as opposed to being a scary thing yeah. in this kind of world. And it's definitely, like, they definitely go ham on those alarms and things going off. And yeah. they probably do it, like, and once like, an episode. Beep, 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 beeps of the computer. <laughs> the flashing. Like, it's like, know. oh, something's wrong again. Like, really to drive home the science fiction element. Yeah. Um, but, yes, we get it. You're on a ship and things go wrong. Yeah. But get your shit together, guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, I mean, I think, again, this is another show where I think the production design lets you down a little bit. Yeah. Like, it looks very cheap and nasty. And the- I know it was probably cheap and nasty, but, like, it just... Yeah. So there's a show called Cyber Girl, which is originally mm-hmm. no, no, no. I'm not even thinking of Cyber Girl. I'm thinking of Ocean Girl. Oh, Ocean Girl! <laughs> Don't even talk to me about Ocean Girl. I love that show. Oh my gosh, I know. I, I nearly. What, oh, I'm trying to pick this show. By the way, it was really hard because I was like, do I pick, um, do I pick Ocean Girl? Do I pick Ship to Shore? And and then when I once I picked this, another show that this YouTube user oh, has yeah, yeah, yeah. is Jeopardy. And I have I no idea what that is. Loved Jeopardy. I was like, I actually loved Jeopardy more than Silver Sun. 
Is Jeopardy a different thing in America? That's a TV show. That's right? like a, a game show. It's a game show. Yeah. Jeopardy here was like eight Scottish kids in the Australian outback hunting for aliens, and it was amazing. What? It was so great. Doesn't sound. Oh my god, no! It was really, really good. It was, it was like a thriller. Um, but this. The, well, I thought this show may have been Ocean Girl for a little while because I forgot that in Ocean Girl they also have a very similar set mm. when they're set underwater yeah, yeah. Uh, in this kind of aquatic research station. Uh, and I'm just like, you almost could just lift this thing from one to the other. And uh, like, I was really struggling to find uh, places to find these shows without paying for them, episode by episode. Um, but oh my gosh, I it was it's a very bland set, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and that's something that is, I think, just so common and in just like Australian this... shows that were in production at that time. Yeah. Even still, like, Australian shows these days are putting much more effort into, uh, you know, interesting writing and, you know, critical effects or things like that. Um, you know, pushing boundaries in terms of theme content. But still, I think they, they could up their production quality of things a little bit more because the best production quality we get of TV shows in, in Australia these days is if it just looks like a share house. If it looks like a house that's lived in. Mm. It's like, oh, that's a really good looking house that mm. looks like it's something that people would have and it's relatable. But in terms of more creative and interesting shows, they, they rarely go on that higher production level. Yeah, I mean, I just wish that all the screens in the background were screens and not like... <laughs> Just like, just like silver squares. Just like lighted panels with that are clearly painted designs on there them. There was a lot of like circles. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of like yeah. circle tiled walls. And again, it's those things that like I remember seeing that when I was 14 and being like, that's a bit shit, isn't it? <laughs> but it, it looks like the shit that you would like buy your nephew that is into Star Trek. Yeah. For, for Christmas and you don't care about what his present is. Yeah. And I would have lapped that shit up. I'm like, just put a, just put a screen back there. Just put a screen with some scrolling text. It would look better. It would look a lot better. But awesome. continuity-wise, scrolling text is not good. I mean, if it's small between. enough, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what is the best thing to do in today's practices is put your screens up, put green material over your screen. Oh, yeah. So in post-production, you can easily just pot on whatever you want so it, it will run smoothly. But you saw the, the CGI on this, right? Yeah, it's not... It's not... Mm. But how much does that ship look like a Battlestar Galactica ship? Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. And this is the year that Battlestar Galactica finished. No, it started. Was it 2004 when it started? In 2008 when it finished? Something like that. Oh, I thought it was 2001, I was definitely, I was definitely an adult when it finished. I think it finished uh, in like 2009. I then? just watched it completely after everyone else. I yeah, didn't start right. watching it till I think I was in year 12. Yeah, no, yeah. it was, it, yeah, it was definitely, I don't know if it had started yet. I'm not too sure where it was. Anyway, we should probably wrap this up. Eyes. Oh, hmm. Hmm. I'm probably going to go for three doll's eyes. We don't have a three. We don't have a three? One to two? One. Huh? Okay. One, two, zero, one, two, four. Oh, okay. No, we don't have a three. We definitely We've don't have a three. We've never had a three. <laughs> I'm going to go for two doll's eyes. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, while this was a one eye for me, in my actual life. Yeah. It was something on in the background I didn't really care about or was invested in and just thought I saw these kids from different TV shows and I thought it was maybe a different TV show sometimes. Uh, it's got a lot more nuance than I realised. Mm -hmm. And I've been getting into Star Trek a bit lately with my friend, especially because of Picard that's come out recently, mm -hmm. which I'm very interested in. 
because Patrick Stewart, his performance in Logan was just fascinating. To, so to see him uh, return to a character at an older age, I'm so curious to see what that creation design is about. But the kind of stuff I like in this is the kind of stuff that makes Star Trek good for me. Yeah, right. Um, which makes me kind of want to get you to like something of Star Trek, but it's still not my wheelhouse yet. I still need to watch more episodes of Star Trek. And they're so different sometimes. Yeah. The episode... The, you would struggle with it, I do get that. But I... I was... I've been quite impressed with some of the storylines in Star Trek shows. Other times, sure. Hit and a miss. But that's what I feel like this show is a lot. And it's quite interesting to see a bit more um, credit given to children uh, in terms of understanding and, and probably reaching a bit more of that starting high school... Um, audience mm. who were like, oh, yeah, oh, science fiction. Science fiction, <laughs> eh? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is a better show than I definitely thought it was. Okay, cool. Yeah. And now uh, I actually remember the name of it. Great. I'll keep an great. eye out to collect some people in public. Yeah, do it. Metaphorically, it's of fun. course. Um, quickly, I'll try and sum up really quickly why I like this show. I like this show because it gives me the the space adventure romp that I love and I think it gives it to you in a way that also explores identity politics for adolescents which um which I think you can see in these episodes through Pancha's journey and through Zandi's journey of kind of going who am I should I try this other thing why doesn't anybody trust me that who, is, what role do I play on this ship that's a really interesting um character is she, like, I know it's probably an ensemble cast and, and focus changes from episode to episode, mm. but is she a bit of our audience viewpoint in terms of the... Zandy? Op- yeah, in terms of uh, her coming out of cryo and No, because that out- didn't happen in the first season. Oh. It happened... Uh, sorry, it happened in the first season, but not in the, the first episode. It was, it was, I think, a couple episodes in. Um, no, I wouldn't put her as the audience viewpoint. Right, okay. But um, I just think it's a very interesting um, character because regardless of their age, they've trained for something their whole life and they're put in a position where the thing they've trained for is not relevant, Mm. is not useful. Mm -hmm. And it's a much more interesting um, motivation to try and find your purpose and your sense of where you fit. Well, generally, and that's why it's interesting in this episode, because usually, and you saw at the end how she was kind of like, I don't know why I tried to do this. You know, I don't like these people anyway. Um, So it's kind of like her usual instinct is to go like, well, fuck you all. And, and in this episode, she tried it, and mm. it backfired. Yeah. She tried to fit in, she tried to find a purpose, and it still backfired. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's something that isn't maybe as explored as it should be mm. um, sometimes in terms of, like, I guess we have been getting it a little bit in Lost in Space Season 2. Not as much as I would have liked, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, but in terms of sense of the risk of bringing someone out of cryosleep, their importance and how the cogs all fit, fit together in terms of a, a useful machine to have skills in various um, areas. And so that is to completely lose all of your sense of purpose mm-hmm. and be stuck with that. Yeah. And the same people for yeah. the rest of your life mm-hmm. is much heavier than this kind of show actually is. Yeah. But can almost try and have fun with it. So mm-hmm. I think it's conceptually, I think I'm way more interested into it than it is, like, actually. Yeah, I think that's kind of the problem with the show, is the the ideas are stronger, the execution may not be as good as I would have liked it to be. But it's one of those shows where I can see it reaching. Yeah. Whereas 
I don't see Parallax reaching as much. No. <laughs> Parallax was quite happy to just be like, here's a fun idea. And maybe here's the co- a couple of concepts that we'll just put there. And the older kids can, can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the adults who've come back as, you know. <laughs> On podcast 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, great. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Um, and, and now I really want to give you Jeopardy at some point, so... <laughs> we've, got, we've got an episode or two left. We do. We have two more episodes left. Or sorry, we have four more episodes left. Two more episodes of two more shows. To, two more shows to pick. To so maybe shows, yeah. I'll have to move that one there down a bit and put Jeopardy in its place. And then all of mine will have been Australian children picks, <laughs> pretty much. What was the first one again? Uh, no, for the Captain Planet. That's first. right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and my last one won't be anyway. <laughs> Jeopardy, what a fucking great show. Okay, I have no idea what that is. But what's been in your eye this week, Jane? Uh, in my eye this week has been cheer. Chia? Chia. Uh, where are, where have you been? Uh. Okay. <laughs> Chia is a new show on Netflix. It okay. A, it is a documentary series oh. about cheerleaders. Oh, Chia. Yes. I thought you said Chia. Chia. Yeah, I thought you said C-H-I-A, like no. Chia Seeds. Chia. I've heard about Chia. Haven't seen it yet. I'm excited. <laughs> Go on. So, I really like Chia. But I kind of like it in an ironic sense. Like, it makes me very stressed out and very concerned and very, um, and like, I disagree with it a lot. But that makes it really interesting to me. Whereas I feel like a lot of, I don't know about everybody, but I feel like a lot of people are enjoying it for being like an inspirational story. And I just don't really feel that way about it. I don't really feel like it's an inspirational story. I think it's a story of like, what the fuck are these people doing to themselves? Mm -hmm. So I love it. But I love it in a different way to I think a lot of people are loving it. Uh, what are we talking in terms of quality? What, I don't know. What do you mean about quality? Better than Hellcats. I mean, it's a documentary. It's not... Oh, it's a documentary. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it was um, based on like actual real life. It's a documentary series. Oh, that's more interesting. Yeah, it's not. It's... I've always been obsessed with cheerleading practice and Spring It On. I mean, you'll you would probably enjoy the show a lot. Yeah, I mean, like Melbourne has a queer festival in the middle of summer called Midsummer, and um, one of the first things I ever saw of it when I uh, accidentally lost, you know, missed my flight, and um, ended up happening upon this little event and seeing the queer leaders who were out and about <laughs> in and just like doing their their throw ups and mm. and landings, and I was just like absolutely, uh, you know, jaw agape, and I've always been obsessed with this concept of being a male cheerleader, but cheerleading isn't a thing here in Australia. It is. It can be. There was a big cheerleading convention in Melbourne a few weeks ago. But it's not a thing in, like, each town. No. It's not something that rural towns, country towns especially, have. There is a cheerleading uh, gym in Kalgoorlie now. You said now. (laughs) Yes. Was there one when you were there? No. We started a couple cheerleading classes when I was about 18 at my dance school. Oh, wow. That's about the closest we ever got. But That's no, cool. cheerleading as as a something that belongs in schools for starters, not a thing. Yeah, it's not and a then, recreational high school activity for and us. And now it's starting to become a sport in yes. its own right. Yes, in which, Australia, which is very deserving. It is. Yeah, these are athletes. Totally. Yeah. Um, anyway, highly recommended for you. I think you'll love it. But it's also mm. quite stressful. Yeah. Now that I know it's real life, I uh, I can't detach. No. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I and don't I re- like Dance Moms because it's stressful. I rewatched an episode yesterday with Fiona, the one that and it's the one that I knew was the most stressful episode and I was oh like ah! and how many injuries they're probably working on? Oh my god. I oh. 
Okay. Episode three is the one that's really, really tense and okay. really, really like. Okay. Well, audiences who are brave enough to push past that know it gets better. Uh, <laughs> <No>? <laughs> Maybe not the right word to use. Yeah. Anyway, it's really interesting because I think the coaching practices are pretty unethical. Mm. But so many people seem to be like, I would die for Monica, the coach. And I'm like, no, mm. I don't think that she's, a. I think she does a lot for the kids, but I don't think she is worthy of all of this high praise. And the only thing with confessionals and this kind of thing, especially if it's a new type of show, is how truthful can we expect these comments to be, especially given how it's been publicized. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, like, you don't necessarily want to say on the show, I hate my coach. But no. also them showing frustrations with them would be drama and things to, you know, keep the show interesting to a standard audience who aren't used to this sort of thing in terms of documentary. So I don't know. I also just feel like a lot of the people that they spoke to are people who come from very disadvantaged backgrounds. Mm. And so it's kind of like they love that they've got this person to support them and push them through their dreams. Right. And it's very kind of like saviour complexy. Oh, yeah. Instead of like of actually... maybe not having uh, a kind of force... Uh, or figurehead there, yeah, uh, and then having that being the the very strong motivator. Exactly, exactly. So I feel like a lot of it's just kind of like, do you love Monica because you love her, or do you love Monica because she's basically like you feel like she's your mum, you know? And so anyway, it's all really interesting. I I think you should watch it. What have you? What's been in your eye? I've only seen the first episode, but I'm super interested because I keep seeing the poster on one of my um, bus routes, um, and it's uptight. Which is a new Australian show with Tim Minchin. Okay. There we go. uh, And a little girl. Well, when I say little girl, I mean 14 to 16 year old age bracket. um, Who find themselves in a bit of a fender bender. And, you know, they kind of end up on a road trip to Perth. Okay. Oh, I have seen, I've seen an ad for this. Okay, yeah. And so. Like a Sydney ad? I've seen a Cine ad for this. A silly ad. Cine. Like City. A cinema. Oh, an oh, ad Cine in the ad. Cine ad. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We're abbreviating everything now, aren't we? No, that's the, Is that a normal term? That's what they're called. Oh, I had no the idea. The company that distributes them is called Cine Ads. Oh, that's a good name. Yeah. I like that. Okay, anyway. It's quite interesting. And uh, Tim Minchin is playing a very... It's seemingly a dark role, but it's still a comedic show, even though it's just a more level of awkward real-life scenario. And that kind of, um, you know, in in country or regional areas when people in hospitals or whatever try to be friendly and nice, but also, come on, mate, let's just get through this together. Or, come on, Bill, did you have to bring beers in? You know, that kind of uh, dynamic. But I don't really know what it's going to be. Like, if it's going to be them in the car for, like, eight episodes, but the first episode started with day one. uh, And I'm like, ooh. I I don't know. I get really excited by, you know, titles being used on on anything is is very intentional and so obviously I'm like well how long is this going to go on for and I'm like well I can see how many episodes it is but you know when they get to Perth what happens in terms of you know it seems that she's got some we don't know what the deal is with her father and he's in some sort of money trouble and there's just a big piano stuck on the side of a trailer and I'm just like can't wait for him to bust it out sometime and he really doesn't like that idea and it's it's it seems like good Aussie TV Okay. Yeah, it's um. I think it was um. I'm, I can't remember the distributor, um. But I think it's. Is it on Stan? Uh, no, I think it's um. It actually might Foxtel might actually have funding in this. Boo! Or like that. It's not on any of the streaming services uh, that I we have access to. <laughs> um, but 
I love Tim Minchin. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've seen uh, his uh, musical of Matilda and... Oh my gosh, when I saw him as Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar, I cried. But um, it's... He can act. Yeah. Yeah, and I, but I'm, I'm just... It's nice to see that he can act in a subtle way that mm. is quite realistic and grounded instead of a very big way. He just was the kind of person who can do literally anything. Yeah, I'm just... It seemed like he got a haircut for the show, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not sure when it was filmed. People can get haircuts, I know, but people with iconic hair. It's like, I just notice when it's a different mm. length. Being a long-haired git myself. Okay, great. Up tight. There you go. Mm. I think that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, please come on over to Instagram and say hi. We are at Major Look Pod. Uh, I'm going to hope the... the um, positive and say thanks for your suggestions suggestions obviously we're recording really far in advance so i don't know if you did give us any <laughs> but if you did thank you yes thank you um, very we appreciate that and hopefully you'll see some of those soon and if you didn't shame on you yes you're listening to us and you could be in you know driving this future journey yeah, of podcasting we want to involve you in this in this process so just, maybe no, i'll do another one down also, the track if we didn't get enough i understand a lot about social and public uh media anxiety so just taking that shame back it was more of a joke it's not really shame at least i'm not giving it Jane can give out shame if she wants to i mean i feel like if you're getting shame from podcasting then <laughs> like you need to Look at your priorities. Anyway, um, other than that, you can come and email us at jackarandthemedia at outlook.com uh, or the best thing you can really do for us actually is rate, review, subscribe mm-hmm. on the Apple Podcasts app or any other app that you happen to listen on. That would be hugely helpful in helping people find the show. Yeah. You could also just tell a friend about it. That works too. Yes. Um, bye, everyone. Bye. Have a great week. just struggling to I mean t- I don't care about that no I know but in an episode where they're bringing up loyalties and um, you know for affirmative action mm. and um, you know affirmative action no that's not what I meant at all <laughs> what is uh... positive reinforcement no um, um, when capital punishment not exactly but on the right track <laughs> um, I don't know evidence based <laughs> tribunal i'm just gonna start a new sentence okay okay ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.